Welcome to the Creators Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. Today I'm talking with Jim Fricker about how him and his wife built an online Spanish teaching business and how they have a little bit of a different business model where besides their online course and their podcast, they actually have a premium podcast membership and in-person retreats. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty. I'm the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Jim Fricker and Mai Larios, the creators of Spanish and Go, an online resource designed to inspire you to learn Spanish, experience the culture, taste the flavors, meet the locals, and appreciate the beauty of each country where Spanish is spoken. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. So my first question for you is something that we've been uh, asking a lot of guests recently is what would you say is the biggest thing that you did or that you are doing that has helped you achieve the freedom to do the things that you enjoy? Oh, that's a great question. Well, for us, the start of it all was really with YouTube where we started making videos on there. And once we came to the realization that if we created content that helped people as much as possible, that gave them valuable, actionable information, that we could basically uh, clone ourselves in a way by creating content that was useful to people and evergreen and thus free up time for ourselves. So then we started realizing once we uh, began doing that, that we could free up so much time and live a much more relaxed lifestyle, not having to worry about deadlines too much, because the more we produced content, the more we could kind of do whatever we want. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, an awesome discovery to make. So can you tell us a little bit about the story of how you and I met and how you came up with Spanish and Go? Yeah, so I used to be an audio engineer, recording studio owner, music producer, and I love doing that gig, but I also wanted to travel a lot. I'm from Rochester, Minnesota, and the winters get terribly cold there. When I was a teenager, I was fortunate enough to be able to tour around with some different national touring acts like Corn and uh, Stained and a bunch of others. And that kind of gave me the travel bug. So mm. in 2010, I was thinking, well, I love producing music, but I'm sitting in a room all day in front of a computer for the most part. And I wanted to get out and explore the world more. So I thought, well, what's the best way to do that? And I figured, well, the first step would probably be learning another language and what other language than Spanish. Uh, since I had already taken some classes before and I figured that was the language that would allow me to travel to uh, the most countries. And so I figured I'm going to start with that and then see where things go from there. And so a, a friend of mine recommended a platform, which back then was kind of like a it was a language exchange, a little bit like Facebook, but for languages. And you could go on there and see other people's profiles and what languages they spoke, at what level, which languages they were interested in learning. And that's where I met Mai. And I had been learning Spanish after I made this realization that I should, I should learn Spanish for about six months. Then I heard about this platform and met Mai on there. And 
we can never remember who messaged who first, but from there we just started this um, back and forth exchange, kind of a language exchange where I would write something to her in Spanish and then she would um, correct me and she would write something to me in English and I would correct her, although her English was way better than my Spanish back then. And so we would just go back and forth like that for for months, but after a while, she invited me to come down to Mexico to meet her in person. Uh, she's always been a language teacher. And so she invited me down during spring break when she had a chance uh, to, for some time off. And so I came down to Mexico for the first time. It was my first time out of the country by myself, first time in Mexico. All of my friends and family thought I was kind of crazy. Like, what are you doing going mm -hmm. down to to meet someone you've never met in person in Mexico. Uh, but to me, it was just part of the journey. This is what I wanted. I wanted to get out and travel more. And this is kind of my first opportunity to do so after I started learning Spanish. So she uh, met me in Guadalajara and showed me around her home state and, and some other places. Uh, we had a great time. We really hit it off, fell in love. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do this for other people, if we could kind of be um, a guide for people who are interested in visiting Spanish-speaking countries, like my was a guide for me, explaining all of these cultural differences and things about the language. And for me, it was just life-changing. So I knew lots of people visit Mexico. There must be a market for what we were interested in doing. So we thought, well, why don't we give it a shot? And Back then we thought, oh, should we do a podcast? Should it be a blog? And, and eventually um, we went to a conference together. This was after getting married and going through the immigration process because <laughs> that's a whole separate story. But uh, at the conferences we were going to, everyone was saying video is the future. So you should really focus on video because you can record a video and from that use the audio or convert it into a blog post. And we thought, okay, so we're going to go go down that path. And that's how Spanish and Go really started was uh, as a YouTube channel where we were trying to be the bridge for people into the Spanish speaking world. There's over 20 countries that speak Spanish and only 42% of uh, the US population has a passport and fewer than that, the 20% of Americans can speak more than um, one language. So it's, it was a situation where we thought we can really niche down and serve a, a community of people who want to explore and experience Spanish-speaking countries on a deeper level. And that's that's basically the start of it. And from there, we expanded into uh, podcasting and hosting Spanish immersion retreats here in Mexico. Awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Um, I can relate to a lot of it, actually, myself. Um, so uh, I, I got the travel bug um, around 2010 as well. Um, I went on my, my first trip uh, was to Italy. And after that, um, I was hooked. And <laughs> I came back home for maybe a few months and then left, uh, left the U.S. to go travel for over a year, um, just traveling around. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, and... Uh, and from there, eventually, I did uh, meet my wife as well. Um, I met her actually in Hong Kong. And uh, 
uh, my parents at the time thought that it seemed a little bit insane. I was <laughs> meeting somebody that uh, in a completely uh, different side of the world. Um, sure. But uh, by that point, at least I'd traveled other places. It didn't seem that crazy to me anymore. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can relate to to all of that uh, going through the visa processes and and all that. So um, yeah, it's really interesting, and, oh, yeah. and definitely I think um, more people uh, should travel. I think if I was going to make like a course or something now myself, uh, one of the things I would make a course about would be uh, how to go and travel. Because um, I think once you do it, even that one time is uh, so inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's life changing. And it gives you a whole new perspective on the world once you get out. The more yeah. we travel, the more we find that locals tend to be afraid of even their neighbors. It's like, oh, Mai's from Colima. And I remember the time we were telling people in her, well, not her hometown, but where her uh, mom lives, my mother-in-law, that we were planning on going to Michoacan, which is just one state over to experience Day of the Dead because it's they're known to have one of the best Day of the Dead uh, experiences there. And everybody was like, no, 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 don't go there. It's It's dangerous. But <laughs> people in Michoacan think that about Colima. So it's like... The the people who haven't gotten out very much tend to be more afraid of like leaving that space because they've gotten used to that that comfort zone, right? But I think the more you go out, the more you realize that the world isn't as scary of a place as people tend to make it out to be. Yeah, definitely, no doubt. I mean, um, especially when I started traveling, uh, my my parents I think were worried about me and thinking like, oh, it's going to be dangerous or something like that. Um, and like to me like there's a lot of places where i've been where i'd rather be in that city in that country at two o'clock in the morning than in northeast philadelphia where i actually grew up um, it felt way safer in, in those places than uh actually where i grew up so um it is it is sure. interesting how uh how the whole thing works and and yeah it's not um it's not as scary as uh as people think it might be right yeah yeah, I really believe that there's so many anecdotes that I could talk about there. We actually lived in Puerto Rico for almost three years. And mm. we remember running into our neighbors there and they're talking with some other neighbors about taking a trip to Mexico. And they're, some of the neighbors are like, well, you're going to Mexico? Isn't it really dangerous there? The funny thing is we've met Mexicans who are afraid of visiting Puerto Rico. So it's just hilarious how... It goes both ways. It's like if they were to just kind of meet one another and, and visit each other's countries, I think most of that fear would go away. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. So um, you you both have been uh, living in these new places um, and learning about each other's culture. Um, would you say there's any challenges or cultural differences that you experienced? Oof. Well, I feel like I'm fairly adaptable. Now, looking back at some of the differences, it, it doesn't seem like they're all that crazy. I mean, coming down to Mexico, everyone hears about don't, th don't drink the water, right? So you kind of have to learn how that works. And, and people in Mexico, will they drink uh, filtered water from a garrafon? It's like a big demijohn container uh, with filtered water and that gets delivered to um, most places unless you are like a really well-to-do uh, family and you might have some sort of filtration integrated into the house, but um, some other things are like 
like going to the bathroom here, right? You can't throw toilet paper away in in the toilet. You have to throw it away in the trash. Like some things like that were kind of a shock at first. Um, now they seem perfectly normal. But looking back between the two of us, mine and I didn't really have too much of a struggle in terms of our relationship, in terms of cultural differences, because we're both very open to learning more about each other's cultures. And I think my probably had more exposure to uh, American culture than I did to Mexican culture, just because of music and pop culture and, and the different shows that get overdubbed into basically every country in the world. And so um, we didn't really experience too much in terms of our relationship when talking about uh, culture shocks. I think maybe the first time I met her mom, it was a little strange that she had to, to sleep in another room than the one I was in. And that's just a cultural thing. Like it, if you're not married, it's kind of uh, a, a tradition in most Mexican families that if you have a guy over, it's he's not gonna be in the same room as, as uh, the, the gal he's dating. So little things like that, I mean, there what about any like many, reverse many culture shocks? Is there anything like that, like coming back oh, to yeah. the U.S.? Yeah, I feel like those hit me harder these days, maybe just because I'm used to the culture here now and we're only in the U.S. for maybe two or three weeks a year now. And so when we go back, we notice things like going to the restaurant. Uh, they'll take your card if you're... If you're going to pay, usually be like, oh, I want to pay with my card and they'll take the card and they'll go run it. Here in Mexico, they'll never do that. It's kind of a security thing that they run it right there in front of you. So you know that they're not like trying to copy it or, or charge a different amount or something sketchy or charge you twice. So little things like that. There's definitely a culture shock. I don't know if it's a culture shock so much as a sticker shock. Uh, coming back to the U.S., everything is so expensive. I mean, you can buy avocados for a fraction of the price here in Mexico than what you can get get them for in the U.S. And it's it's a bit of a shock to see like one avocado for a dollar fifty when that would buy you you know at least four here, <laughs> depending on where you're getting them from. In certain states, they grow uh, a lot more than others, and, and you can get them for even cheaper than that. Yeah. I mean, well, still even here. Uh, so I'm in Texas. We're like right above Mexico. And uh, yeah. you want to get like the, the big like organic avocado. Like, yeah, that's how much it costs still. So yeah. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. To make a guacamole, it's like, it's going to be 10 bucks at least once you <laughs> add up all the ingredients. And mm -hmm. that's just insane. Yeah. But, yeah. That's definitely a big culture shock. And there are other things. I mean, we have so much space in the U.S., Sometimes when you're walking down uh, the streets here, for example, we're in Oaxaca City right now, getting ready for an immersion retreat. And sometimes the sidewalks are so narrow, but in the U.S. it's like you've got all this space. Most houses have, you know, like a backyard here. Sometimes it's just one building right next to another and there's hardly any space. Sometimes there's no um, you know, area for grass or for kids to play. Sometimes it's just everything feels um, a lot closer together. And mm. that, that is always kind of a reverse culture shock when we go back to the U S yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, for me, um, spending a lot of time in Hong Kong, um, Hong Kong has like the, uh, 
most expensive real estate in the world for like the size of what you're getting um, because oh, everything really? is just so small. And um, it's very, very efficiently built, but um, like it's nothing compared to the US. Like there is no single family home even. It's just everything is in a high rise. And so my oh, wife even, she... she grew up like her, her brother and her parents uh, on the 19th floor, but in like 250 square feet. And that was, that was the whole house. And already like that was wow. not, that's not bad um, considered uh, for what it is. Um, I think like the biggest thing I've ever rented there was 500 square feet. And I feel like I got lucky. Um, but like, there's a lot of times where like I've rented something that was like 200 square feet and it's like over $3,000. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Wow. Um, but at the same yeah, time, like you have crazy. a, you have a convenience there that is also like unmatched because the, the high rise is not efficient enough. They will build the high rises on top of like a five story mall. So you go down your elevator and now you're in the mall and all the restaurants are right there. So you don't even have to really go outside even. Um, so in that sense, it's interesting, but at the same time, um, it doesn't feel like uh, the place to like raise a family because like, as you said, like there's no such thing as a, a backyard or anything like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, for me, uh, uh, something that stood out as a reverse culture shock, and I asked that because I didn't really experience, I feel like too many culture shocks traveling, it was more so when I came back, um, especially when I was gone for a while. Um, I distinctly remember that uh, meeting with my friends and they said, oh, hey, Brian, what's up? And I just froze and I didn't know what to respond. I mean, what do you mean? What's up? No nothing's up. <laughs> and then, Because it's such an American thing to say, oh, what's up? And uh, I'm expecting like, how, how are you or, or something? And like, I forgot how to answer that question. So ah, sure. that, that was interesting yeah. to me. No, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually happened to Mai in the U.S. Um, I remember she was telling me she went down, she was going down like the bike path to head to the store or something. And someone said, hi. And for her, she was like, hi, what? She thought the person was trying to start a conversation. Like, why are you saying hi? Like, do you, do you need something? You have a question? Yeah, yeah. You want to chat or something? And it's, it's just one of those things that's maybe it's a minnesota nice thing i don't know if um people say hi randomly to strangers in, in texas is as often but <laughs> in minnesota it's very common but in i get where she's coming from because down here usually if you're going to greet someone as you're just walking past them with no intention of stopping you would say adios you'd say goodbye mm. which to me is strange um so yeah it's just funny how we kind of interpret each other's cultures differently because for us it's perfectly normal to say hi to someone randomly on the street uh but it's goodbye here in mexico so i could see where the confusion could come in in that situation yeah that's interesting all right so we had a look at your website and it looks like you have an online course a podcast and then a podcast membership can you explain a little bit about what the uh, membership is all about yeah, so the podcast membership is all about providing extra extra materials for our students who listen to the podcast. The podcast is completely free. It's available on all major platforms, but it's entirely in Spanish. And our approach and what we've discovered is that one of the most efficient ways of learning a language, once you get kind of the, the bare bones 
basics down at first is to start listening to as much of it as you possibly can, real conversations, because then you're able to start uh, putting some of the things that you've learned together. And one of the best ways to memorize new vocabulary is by trying to figure it out in context rather than listen what rather than just looking it up in the dictionary because what we do when you just look up a word most of the time unless you're going to go back and practice it and put it aside and put it on some flashcards or use something like uh, Anki which is a good memorization program that's available for free uh, you're basically telling your brain I can look this up whenever I, I want to and I don't really need to memorize it so with the podcast we're really enforcing and utilizing that tech technique where people need to listen to the conversation, try to figure out the bits that they're not getting. Sometimes people just starting out listening to the podcast, they're only understanding maybe 20 or 30%. But as they continue on, they're building their vocabulary a lot faster because they're making these connections uh, from a real conversation. You get used to the the words and phrases that are repeated frequently and and then you can kind of sort that out in your brain that these are the more important words that I need to, to memorize to really understand real Spanish conversations. So the podcast on its own is useful, but the extra materials that we provide in the podcast membership are things like a word-for-word -word transcript. That's really useful for people who, I'm sure if you've ever tried to learn another language, this happens to most people where you hear a native Spanish speaker and sometimes a sentence, uh, you'll hear a string of words and it sounds like one or two words, right? Because they're saying it so quickly. But yeah. with our transcripts, we have word for word transcripts for every single episode of the podcast. And we have an interactive transcript player, which is a little bit like karaoke, where students can read word for word what is being said. So what might sound like just one or two words might turn out to be a sentence or two. But it, if it's spoken really quickly, you might not be able to break down each word from, from that phrase. And so that's really useful for our students. And that's just one of the extra materials that we offer for the membership. The other thing is basically an exclusive podcast where we explain some of the most important words and phrases from each episode in English. And so that accompanies every single podcast episode that we offer that's in Spanish. So there's basically the, the all Spanish podcast and then the all or mostly English podcast where we break down different words and phrases from every single episode. And that's useful because there might be a few words in a podcast episode that you just couldn't figure out from the context, or they might be um, words that are used colloquially in different countries. They might have uh, a different connotation to them that you might want to be careful of and know about when visiting different Spanish-speaking countries. And so we'll go in and explain that more in depth in English. So we'll go in and explain chido, for example, um, might be something, oh, I'm sure we explained it uh, probably dozens of episodes ago, but in Mexican Spanish, that means cool. And so it's useful to understand what situations uh, it makes sense to use chido in, right? It's not very formal. It's not something you would use with your doctor, maybe, <laughs> but it's very common in just everyday Spanish conversations. So having the breakdown section for a lot of people, it, it brings it 
brings the podcast back down to earth a little bit where it, it might feel a little intense listening to a full conversation in Spanish, but then to say, oh, okay, this episode was about this in English, and we're going to go down a list here and explain some of the most important words and phrases. That breakdown section also has an interactive transcript where everything we say is written down, and it also... Uh, we include a PDF with all of the different words that we broke down for that episode with uh, the phrase that we, uh, as we used it in the podcast episode in Spanish, along with the translation in English so they can see side by side. Oh, okay. Um, it really helps students fill in the, the, the parts that maybe they weren't able to catch from the podcast episode. So then the next time they, he they hear these words, they'll say, oh, I remember they talked about it in this episode and they had this explanation about it. And sometimes our little anecdotes um, really help people memorize uh, different words. For example, I might uh, share a little story about how I used this incorrectly and it was super embarrassing. So uh, <laughs> that for some people, uh, they can learn from my embarrassment and um, hopefully better memorize the phrase or the, or the word that we're explaining there. Uh, and then um, in addition to that, we have uh, a quiz for every single podcast episode. So it's a way of for our students to test their comprehension and make sure they got the most out of the episode. And in the membership, people can comment. So if they have any questions about something that uh, they're a little confused about, they can ask there and we can get back to them right in the membership area. Awesome. So I think you mentioned that uh, Mai actually had a background of teaching in person, right? Um, That's so right. Yep. most of our audience is composed of online course creators. So. Um, for you guys, like teaching the language online, um, would you say that it's more challenging compared to in person? Or what what other things do you feel like you adapted or or changed? Yeah, in some ways it's more difficult because you don't always get that immediate feedback. Well, you don't get that immediate feedback, right? The best you can get is really a comment uh, from somebody, and we definitely take our students feedback seriously. There's been a number of things over the past few years that we've changed with the podcast to try to make it a little, little bit better for our students. And we're really thankful of the people who do leave comments. That's why we always say in our podcast episodes, like, Hey, if you have any questions, reach out. We definitely take your, your comments and suggestions seriously. Cause we're always trying to improve the experience for all of our students. So I would, I would definitely say it's more difficult uh, that's one of the reasons why we love running the Spanish immersion retreats because we have students right there with us. And so if they have a question, it's a little bit easier to dig into what their confusion is about um, because you can, well, you have all of these other uh, forms of communication that you don't get from an email or a comment in the membership area, right? People can uh, usually do a little bit better of a job explaining what it is that they're confused about. So yeah, We're so always can, trying to collect as much feedback. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So you have these um, these in-person retreats um, that are in Mexico, right? Um, for people who want to improve right. their Spanish. Um, yeah, so how does that work exactly? Yeah, so our in-person Spanish immersion retreats are a unique program that we developed from the ground up. We plan basically everything. We'll, we'll go, we'll start by going to a new city 
and exploring exploring it with our team to find the best places to eat, the best experiences to go on. Sometimes, for example, we're here in Oaxaca. Uh, there are tons of mezcal tours, so we'll go on and and do the hard work of testing testing out all the the best mezcal tours and finding the right one for our group. And this is basically an experience for students to come down to Mexico in a safe environment where they have teachers at their disposal basically 24-7 and an itinerary built around learning Spanish and getting the most out of uh, their experience in a particular place of Mexico. So each of our retreats is a little bit different depending on the city that we're in, but all of them basically start out each morning with having breakfast, of course, and then uh, classes. And our classes have to do with what we're doing later on in the day. So the classes are very interactive. They're a lot of fun. Uh, in our groups of up to 12 people, they're really forced to use their Spanish as much as possible and use what they're learning on a daily basis. And we'll have like a, a main group and then we'll break that group down into smaller groups uh, that are more fine-tuned to each person's level. And from there, we even have uh, time for each student to have some one-on-one -on -one classes uh, throughout the week with a teacher to focus on the things that they're having the most trouble with. But for example, our beginner week, uh, for beginner to intermediate students, they'll come in and we'll have different classes covering some of the most basic things you need to know to feel comfortable when you're traveling in a Spanish-speaking country, like how to ask for food. And we'll have a class about ordering food in Spanish, and then they'll obviously get to go out and, and practice that in person and get feedback from us. And how to ask for directions, how to make small talk. These things are essential for people to be able to feel comfortable traveling in a Spanish-speaking country. And that's really our focus in general is, is travel Spanish is what we call it. It's kind of the, the niche of Spanish so that you can get out and experience uh, not just Mexico, but other Spanish-speaking countries. And so we've been fortunate to host students from uh, multiple countries coming to join us in Mexico, often for the first time, who had never been to Mexico before, maybe had never left uh, their home country before. And... Uh, it's so rewarding to us to see them come join us and then have the confidence to go out and, and return to Mexico, sometimes on their own. Actually, I remember the first retreat we hosted, um, there was a gal who joined us. She was in her early 20s and had never been to Mexico before. And right after the retreat, she planned a solo trip to Mexico City uh, because she felt so much more comfortable about her Spanish and, and really getting to experience Mexico firsthand that she thought, oh, wow, people's fears about this country are kind of overblown. I definitely want to come back. And, and so they're really unique experiences, extremely re rewarding, and we just love hosting them. Awesome. So for those who are listening and are maybe thinking like, wow, you've got all this stuff set up, you have the course, but then the podcast and then the membership, the retreats, um, what did it look like when you guys started? And like, was it always a goal to like have these retreats or like, how did it turn into what it uh, eventually came to today of like, as far as like figuring out what product fits where? Sure. Well, yeah, early on we thought, we were just going to start off as a podcast and we recorded like 11 episodes and my Spanish wasn't all that great. 
And we ended up not releasing any of that. But as we were kind of diving into what we wanted to do, we were kind of leaning towards YouTube and a blog because we're going, we started going to these conferences. Um, actually, I should back up a little bit. Part of our inspiration was uh, from a podcast we had listened to together, uh, teaching Spanish, and from another blogger who is a travel blogger. Um, he goes by the Expert Vagabond, actually. And uh, he's one of the, the OG travel bloggers. He was someone I followed way back then. And I thought, how cool is that to be able to travel the world and, and make a living online? So we actually reached out to him and uh, when he was in Mexico and he's like, well, yeah, you guys aren't too far away. How about we meet up? So we met up with him. He was with a bunch of other travel bloggers and this is way back in, I think, uh, 2010 or 2011. And we thought, wow, this isn't just this one guy that I was following. It's a whole group of other people who had figured out a way to make money online. And so they gave us some tips about some conferences we can go to. We started going to conferences together to get more inspiration about what we wanted to do or maybe what direction we should take. And that's basically how we stumbled on the idea of like, oh, okay, we should have a YouTube channel because as I mentioned before, at least at these conferences, they're really emphasizing the fact that, well, if you have a video, you have not only images, but you have audio and you can convert the audio into text. And so basically any video you make could become a blog post. And so we ended up creating over a hundred videos on YouTube, I think, before we decided, well, how about we do YouTube and a podcast? And that's kind of where we stopped posting as often in on YouTube because it's a lot to do <laughs> YouTube and podcast. But we started to learn to delegate and to to develop our team a little bit. And so the YouTube channel ended up being more of a place for people who were interested in learning Spanish, who wanted to travel to Spanish speaking countries. And so it's mostly in English. We have some resources and tips for learning Spanish on there, but we also talk about cultural differences. Uh, we'll compare the Spanish of maybe two different countries. For example, the, the Spanish that's spoken is, in Puerto Rico is quite unique compared to Mexican Spanish. And so we've recorded a few videos about that. And uh, that really helps people who maybe are in the beginning stages of learning Spanish to kind of understand how how it works, how different accents and dialects work, how different slang works. And uh, that's really a great resource for people who are kind of just starting out. But from, the, from there, we thought, okay, we get plenty of comments from people like, okay, you're teaching Spanish, but you're not producing videos that are entirely Spanish. Why not? And it was just that. It's like you can't really serve everyone at the same time. And so we thought, well, the, the podcast is a better platform for people who just want to hear Spanish conversations. So we have similar content on the podcast where we talk about differences in culture and we'll compare different accents and slang and vocabulary. But there it's also a great opportunity for us to interview locals in the countries that we're visiting. So we'll interview you know, someone from Guatemala or someone from Puerto Rico or someone from Chile or someone from Ecuador uh, as we're traveling through those countries because sometimes people just stand out to you like, oh, this this person has an amazing story or what they do is fascinating or so important to the culture of, of this place. So we should get them on the podcast and, and that way listeners can not only hear a different accent, but learn about a different culture as well. Got it. 
So yeah, your content creation was really what um, was that initial focus, I guess, that helped to kind of grow the audience and then also like inform you of of who in the audience wants what, um, as you said, of like some people who are at the spot where they, they can't really quite understand just listening to only Spanish yet, um, but then others who want to hear only Spanish and uh, be able to listen to something like that podcast. Okay, so yeah. Um, with that said, um, can you share any tips that you've come across or that you've learned uh, along the way of how to keep people engaged in learning? Because it's something that learning a language is not something that you say, okay, I'll do that for a week and then I'm done. Uh, you got to keep, keep practicing it. Yeah, I think that's something that we've learned running Spanish and Go as a business, as well as there's that in common with learning a language. You have to be consistent. And if you are consistent, you get people in the habit of listening to your content on a regular basis as well. So us being consistent on the podcast or releasing an episode every Tuesday helps our students be consistent in learning Spanish because they have a new episode to listen to, right? Sometimes you, well, often learning any skill, you reach a plateau, right? And so if you're not being consistent about learning something new all the time, you'll probably get to a point where you get bored or you feel like it's too difficult and you just kind of drop off. And I think the vast majority of people who want to learn another language, they end up losing interest for one reason or another. So that's why I think having these different avenues for people to learn with us is useful to students because they have a lot of different resources and a lot of different ways to to learn Spanish and consume like real Spanish conversations because there's always something new to learn, not only about the language, but about the culture and the traditions of, of the different places there are to visit. So for people who want to travel, I feel like if we can get them into the habit of listening to the podcast or having them join us in person on a trip, uh, that's addicting, right? If, if they get to that point, if they're like, okay, I'm going to go on a trip at that point, it's kind of like, okay, this is awesome. Most people just love the experience so much that they, they, they want to keep at it. Right. And so it feels like a big accomplishment to a lot of people to go to another country and speak, um, almost nothing but Spanish or be learning so much about a new country where they feel comfortable coming back. And so. I guess our strategy has been produce lots of different kinds of media on a consistent basis and can consistently ask our audience what they're interested in. Um, starting out when you don't have an audience, one of the best things you can do is kind of ask Google what people are interested in, right? You can do some SEO research, see what are the things that people are listening or looking for the most. And that's basically what, kicked off our, our YouTube channel. That's when we started seeing real traction is when we're like, oh, okay. A lot of people ask, how do I order food in Spanish? Okay. We're going to make the best video we can about how to order food in Spanish. And then we converted that into a blog post and both of them are doing really well, not only in YouTube, but, um, in Google search and that brings more people to us. So kind of second level is okay. Once you have people following you and interested, in the types of content that you're making, um, how can you collect feedback from them? And, and for us, that's been kind of the process of figuring out how we can automate 
getting feedback from people whenever possible. So sometimes that's, you know, asking for them to fill out kind of like a, um, not a quiz, but a survey. Uh, what's it called? Inquesta. Sometimes I forget the word in, in English. <laughs> a so survey or? A survey. That's the one. <laughs> a survey. And uh, get their feedback about what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, what they'd like more of. And like I said earlier, we, we listen to our audience all the time when it comes to that stuff. You have to always be willing to improve and say, oh, how can how can we make this even better next time? And that's been our strategy. Awesome. All right. That's great. So one of the things that uh, we'd like to do on the show is have each of our guests ask a question to the audience. So if you could ask the audience anything, um, anything that you're curious about, anything you want them to think about, uh, what would that be? Yeah, this is a good question. I had to think about this a lot, but um, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, but I've definitely had uh, kind of a, a limited mindset about how much I could accomplish it. I always had this drive to be an entrepreneur, uh, but I think a lot of people run into this is how do you kind of break out of that? And so I think one question that's useful to think of, and I don't, I don't know who said this first, but what would you do if you couldn't fail? So what would your business look, look like if you're like, I'm all in on this and I'm going to make it work and you have complete faith that it's going to work out, what would you do? And the more we work on Spanish and go, the more I'm like, why didn't I think bigger earlier on? Right. Why didn't we think about, um, doing, I don't know, this aspect of the business even more doubling down on this. And I think a lot of the times it came down to just fear and thinking too small or thinking that, oh, we can't do that. Or if we do it too quickly, it's going to be a disaster or something. And it's really just that, that limiting mindset, right? That it's that self-doubt. So that'd be my question to the audience. What would you do if you couldn't fail? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, with that said, then, um, since you mentioned it, um, what's what's the next thing then what's beyond like the the retreats or what you're doing now um that you you wish you could do yeah that's a good question because we have so much going on already but for us i think at this point it's just a matter of refining our systems and delegating more so that we can be more present for the on the youtube channel as well as the podcast uh it's getting to the point where we should really be focused on content creation and then passing on as much of, of the editing and uh, that sort of thing onto others. And that's a skill that we've had to learn along the way as well. And we're definitely not experts, but I, I suppose that's the next step is to basically do everything we're doing now, but do it uh, even more consistently to be able to produce more content, to be able to help even more students and bring people more our way so that we can help them connect to different Spanish speaking countries, inspire them to travel and, and gain the skills to be able to uh, gain the confidence to do it on their own. Awesome. Because I think that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, if you can get out and travel and experience another culture in another country in your life where you're in the minority where people uh, like you are in the minority, then, uh, or with a different, with, uh, the background that you have are in the minority, 
it's such a humbling experience and it's incredibly enriching and it'll change your perspective of the world for the better. And uh, I think that's, that's something worth doing for everyone. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, on that note, um, one of the, uh, the ways I like to think about that is to say, uh, say to yourself, like, if you were playing a video game, would you really want to only play level one if there's all these other levels out there? And to, to not travel is like playing the same level over and over. So why, why not see all the other ones? Because there's so many other ones out there. Um, so that, that's the kind of comparison, I guess, the way I look at it. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. I used to love gaming, and, and uh, that's a really good comparison. Cool. All right, awesome. Well, Jim, it was so great talking with you. Um, before we get going, where else can people find you online? You can find us at SpanishAndGo.com. We have links to our YouTube channel and our podcast there. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn Spanish and Go is the name of the podcast. And if you're interested in joining us on a retreat or checking out the membership, that's all at SpanishAndGo.com. We also post uh, on Instagram and same there, at Spanish and Go. All right, awesome. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this interview and want a chance to ask questions to our guests live, tune in on Tuesdays when new episodes premiere on the Heights Platform Facebook page. To learn more about the show and get notified when new episodes release, check out thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.